Hi, and welcome to the She's a Christian podcast. I'm your host, Louise, and this podcast is going to be brought to you every single week. If you're a Christian and you're looking for some great community, then we hope that this podcast makes you feel like you've nipped round to your pal's house for a cup of tea and a chinwag, and that you go away feeling even more excited and more aware of God's goodness, his love for you and his protection over you. If you aren't a Christian or you know some Christians, but they're a bit weird, maybe you're not even sure that God exists, maybe you're seeking, then this is a great place for you too. Come along, tune in, and we hope that you go away feeling encouraged and uplifted, hearing testimonies of goodness from people from all walks of life. Tune in, I don't really know what I'm doing, but does anyone, and let's do this together. Hi everyone, and welcome on to another episode of the She's a Christian podcast. Now today I have with me Rachel Mostyn, who happens to be one of the authors of the book that I currently am posting about all the time, called Soul Time, it's right here. And this is really exciting because I get up every single morning and about 10-15 minutes after I wake up, I've been diving into this book and really having these bite-sized moments with Jesus every single day. So it's absolutely wonderful to have Rachel on the podcast with me. And we're going to be sharing the same format in terms of the key questions. And then Rachel's going to be sharing with you a little bit about being or finding out who you were meant to be and living that out. And I'm really excited for you guys to hear her story today and a little bit about her journey. So just before I started and introduce you to Rachel, for those of you who perhaps have not read this book or heard about it, I'll give you a little background into Rachel Mostyn. So she's dedicated her life to building the church and people's lives. She's passionate about pursuing the call of God and helping others do the same and see their dreams and potential fulfilled. Rachel's actually not Australian, which you might be forgiven for thinking when she starts <laughs> speaking. She's a very soft Australian accent, but she's actually from Norwich. She was a worship pastor in her home church in Norwich for many years, as well as working as a physiotherapist for 15 years. She married her teen sweetheart and soulmate, Steve, and they have two incredible daughters, Melody and Mercy, and one of whom, the older one, I believe, co-authored this book with you, Rachel. Mm-hmm. That's right. So just to pass over to yourselves, can I ask you to tell the listeners a little bit about how you became a Christian and when? Thank you, Louise. First of all, for having me on this podcast today, it's an absolute honour and I partner with you in your focus to make sure that Christianity is something that's very attainable and very approachable, very relatable and to get rid of these myths that you know, God is up there somewhere and not interested in our daily lives. So I'm passionate about that. And thank you for the lovely introduction. Thank you for reading my book, our book. Um, So I'll tell you a bit bit more about Soul Time in a moment, but um, we actually lived in Australia for 15 years. So we passed it over there, then moved back here to England five years ago to help with um, Soul Church, and uh, which my granddad pioneered many years ago. Actually, next year will be 60 years since the church started. It's now under a different name, Soul Church, um, with pastors John and Chantel that are doing a brilliant job. So we help them, but we also go out and preach and coach, etc. So um, yes, Melody co-authored the book with me. She's on staff at Soul Church as a worship leader, worship pastor. My daughter Mercy is um, very much involved there too. But um, I remember when I first came to know Jesus, it was actually, I was five years old. So I had the privilege of being raised in a Christian home. 
um, as my parents were pastors. So it's not like I didn't have any choice or any say in the matter because they were very clear that, Rachel, this is something that you need to work out for yourself. And uh, I, I think even as a little girl, I knew that it, to know Jesus as my personal saviour was important and it didn't just automatically happen because I went to Sunday school because my parents were were pastors. So I remember clearly one night having a dream that um, and back then we used to talk about Jesus coming back again all the time. It was like yes. a regular thing. There was movies about it and it was all super scary. And I think maybe I had this in my head. And I had a dream one night that everyone had gone to heaven, right? And that I'd, I was left behind. It was the weirdest dream. You know, a little five-year-old brain had been picking up on things. And I remember in my dream, Jesus was reaching out his arms like this and saying, it's okay, my darling, it's okay. It's not too late. And reaching out, come, come. And, and I remember just seeing these really kind eyes yeah. and uh, an amazing love that overwhelmed me so much. And I reached out and he gave me this big hug. And this is all in my dream. And yeah. so I wake up crying as a little girl. I remember I get out of my bed. It's a cold winter morning. And I kneel beside my bed and I ask Jesus to come into my heart. And just in my simplistic little way, because Jesus says that in the Bible, doesn't he, to yeah. come as a little child. I said, Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. I want to live for you. I want to serve you. Thank you. And I was just overwhelmed with his love. And I remember then later getting up and going to tell my mum who's making breakfast that I asked Jesus into my heart. And it was all lovely. And she yeah. encouraged me with that. And of course, you know, skip forward years. We're at, at church and at youth and at Sunday school and all those things. But then I would say there's a second moment, Louise, where I move away to uni and I make the decision there. Am I going to serve God? And is this going to be real? Am I going to call myself a Christian? Yeah. Um, or am I going to kind of just do what the peer pressure is and go that way? You know, this is the time where the rubber hits the road. Do yeah. I really believe? And I remember one particular night I, I was living in a, in a home with three other girls that weren't churchgoers. But we had great friendship and they were, you know, they, their lifestyle was completely different. Yeah. You know, the partying, they bring the boyfriends home to the house. And this particular night they were going out clubbing. And I decided that night that I wouldn't go. Mm -hmm. And I remember going into my bedroom, feeling this major sense of fear of missing out or not fitting in at the start yeah. of uni. But I knew deep within that I needed to make some decisions that were going to make a difference, the outworking of my Christian yeah. life. And it wasn't like... I'm too holy. It no. was more like um, I want to make decisions that are going to be right for my own well-being and yeah. faith and all the rest of it. But I want to honor God, not just the way I've been brought up, but I want to honor yeah. God. I remember lying on my bed, crying, because thinking, what, have I, what am I doing no. the right thing here? I remember. I, I do. I write about it in some time. And the most amazing feeling just enveloped me yeah. of love. Again, that love that I experienced as a five-year-old. Yeah. I, it's like Jesus came into my room. I didn't see him, but I felt him. And I felt like, Rachel, you'll never come second by putting me first. And why would you want that when you can have that? Which is a close yeah. walk relationship. Like he's going to open the right doors, the right friendships. And, and, and I was just amazed at his love. And you know when you feel really loved, those of you that have been in love, when you feel really in love, you feel like you can conquer anything. Yeah. You feel like you can do anything, don't you? Yeah, you're, and you're, you're married and got kids. You know, you just 
you in those that you know when you're really passionate and like you feel like you're doing and then left that the next day feeling like on top of the world yeah. like I could do anything and those three girls ended up being best friends you know they came to my wedding yeah, um yeah. So, so that's, yeah, that's how I would say the answer to how I became a Christian. It was kind of twofold. Yeah. It's safe when you're little, isn't it? Because I think for those of us who were, you know, blessed enough to be born in, into a uh, a Christian home and things, and I'm so grateful that I have a similar story, but at the same time, I do wonder if apathy can build up and then you go out into mm. the real world because mm. you're often around your church friends and maybe sometimes you're in a little bit of a holy huddle and and then you go into the real world and that's right it's like when the rubber hits the road because it can happen bit by bit like and again there's nothing wrong with having a good time you know there's nothing wrong with going out and few drinks with your friends but it's particularly at that age everything is in excess but I think it's the compound Mm. effect of those little decisions over time and I do think that Mm. the devil is out to it sounds you know (laughs) not very cheery but the devil is out to kill to kill to steal and destroy mm. and actually I do think the compound effects of those decisions that seem insignificant over yes. time can actually yeah. set a young person on the downward curve of life let alone Christianity right yeah um, so true so I love that that night you had that feeling mm. the devil didn't win and God was saying mm. put me first and it, you yeah on everything anything and those those girls are your friends today yeah and it was love-based rather than rules-based. Exactly. So I could have had my parents or people telling me, don't do this, don't do this, don't yeah. do this. And it wouldn't have, it, it came from a sense of love. And I think, you know, that a, a well-known preacher once said, you know, love God and do what you like. Um, if you if you really do love him, you want to please him, you want to honour him, you want your life to reflect him, yeah. you will automatically make the right choices for you. Yeah. And it has to be what's for you rather than telling people you can't do this. Exactly. You get your own convictions, don't you? Yeah. And I think as well, it's the um the root before the fruit. Yes. As opposed to I, I shouldn't do this or blah blah. Yeah, mm. when you're aware of how much Jesus loves you, you want to um you want to reciprocate that out of such a gratitude. Mm. I remember really? we, to, we did go clubbing at school. This is so naughty, but I totally get my parents did this now when I look back. Thursday mm. night, like the big night up in Perth and we had school on a Friday and I was underage and mm. all my friends were going out on a Thursday night for school. Mm. And it was it like down the local little nightclub and all the rest of it. Mm. And at the time, my dad used to always put us on the car insurance of he was like a four, big four by four because he felt mm. we were safer. And he used to say to me, absolutely, Louise, you go out on a Thursday night then, as long as you're up for school the next day, and as long as you drive home. And my dad, right, right. like, we know you're such a good girl, so you can have my fancy car, you can have the insurance, now, there's the car keys. And what he was doing was reminding me what a good girl I was, yeah. and giving me the freedom to not be the weirdo, but also the responsibility to like, you run a risk assessment on this. If you think you can roll mm-hmm. in at three and be at registration the next morning at, you know, 8.45, that's yeah. fine. Um, and I used to go out most Thursday nights with my friends. And because mm-hmm. my dad had told me, I trust you with my car. I trust you to come, like, you just drive mm-hmm. home so that we know you're safe and you're a good girl. I walked into that club and actually looking back so I never touched alcohol I I instantly Mm -hmm. didn't want to because I said my my parents see me as a good girl and that Mm -hmm. is who I am 
Yeah. It's don't yeah. you dare. So they raised me under such grace. Mm. And actually, although I used to go out every single week, I mm. don't remember feel I remember feeling like it was quite a vapid existence. Mm. 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 Um, yeah. Yeah. And I would drive all my friends home, make sure they got home okay, stone cold sober. And you were the responsible home. one. Mm-hmm. I was the responsible one. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, actually, none of this looks very fun. Yeah. And seeing yeah. that, I don't think my parents would knew this at the time, but ex- exposing me to that, if you like, in that con- more controlled environment, when I got to uni, I never touched alcohol. I would go mm-hmm. out, but that was it. I didn't really start mm-hmm. drinking until I was about 30 and had mm-hmm. like a glass yeah. of wine. So there's yeah. a lot to be said for um for grace. you to make the choice. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. You know, lots Believing of the best. Grace. Um, and I'm sure they're like, oh, please don't, you know, drink pineapple Bacardi breezers and get back in my car. Um yeah. I didn't. I never did because all I could think of was no, my mum and dad know what an amazing person I am and what a good person yeah. I am. And that's yeah. how um, and that's a big key, actually, isn't it? Is believing the best in people. That's yeah. how you draw out the best. Totally. And, totally. and and that's what Jesus has done with us. And my parents did that with me. And I think, you know, it's, it's a great privilege to have had that upbringing because yeah. um, people can be so judgmental, can't they? Especially nowadays, mm-hmm. you know, everything, cancel this, cancel that, opinionated. Um, but I think if you can really um, see the gold in people and draw out the best, they will rise to it. Yeah, exactly, um, exactly. So, yeah, that was a wee bit about um, my experience. Yeah. Good, great story. But off the back of that, so you were, you know, you're you're raised this vibrant wee Christian who had this really, really experience yeah. with Jesus yeah. when he was five. And I know a little bit about mm-hmm. you went on to meet your husband Steve and you had your girls and you ended up in Australia. But mm-hmm. when do you think that spark or that passion for being your best self, bringing your best self to the table, who did God make you to be? When did that come out? And was mm-hmm. that always there? Or were you, did you ever go down the road of, particularly as a woman in church, feel that if you don't fit the mold that the church yeah. often sets for women, then mm. you're you're maybe getting above your station or you're doing it a bit wrong. Like, how did that all come about, basically? Yeah, look, I think I really had a passion for um, pursuing the call of God in some way, shape or form. We used to get people coming to our church that were preachers or singers or whatever it used to travel. I said, oh, that looks so great. You know, I still love the sort of look of it, the, the yeah. glamour of it. Um, yeah, and I'm going to do that one day. Yeah. Um, and then I, I remember also this this group coming to our church once that gathered schools from all the uh, surrounding area. I think I'm, I don't know if I talk about this in the book. And I remember them giving an altar call. It was in St. Andrew's Hall in Norwich. And all my friends put up their hands to say yes to Jesus. And I remember at that time, I wasn't that confident about sharing my faith because yeah. I was just a bit embarrassed about what I thought. And it was again, that fitting in thing. Mm. And I was about 12. And I remember going, they all went forwards to this response to Jesus. And I remember turning around, seeing like my best friends saying yes to Jesus and meaning it. And I started to cry. There was something in me that just longed to be a facilitator to help my friends come to know Jesus. Yeah. And then they sang this song that I'll say yes to, to what God wants for me and I'll make a difference. And I remember putting both my hands up saying, as a 12-year-old, I want to make a difference. I want to say yes. I want to be someone that can help bring my friends to know Jesus. It's the best feeling in the world. And yeah. I'm doing all this through tears. 
And I remember that was a defining moment for me. And then years later, we're in Australia and I'm married to Steve. My me- my daughter Melody's two. I'm studying there um, and I'm looking around in this large church at other very influential women that seem like they've got it all together. And thankfully, I was in a church where women were very empowered yeah. um, and encouraged. But for me, I was my own worst enemy. I would compare myself. Yeah. And I would um, feel like, yeah, for whatever reason, I'm I'm not good enough. And mm-hmm. if things didn't work out the way I thought they should, I, I was just so passionate about being on staff in this church. And I remember um, I was at home with Melody. Steve was um, out where he was actually on staff at the church. I was thinking, when's my time going to come? When am I going to get to use my voice and my and I still felt it was a bit, even though there was a lot of women empowered, I felt like it's a bit of a man's world still. Yeah. Like, you know, our visa at the time was for Steve to work and I was a dependent and I was looking after my daughter. And and that's all important. Like, you know, this time, Louise, with little ones. Um, But I remember reading a John Maxwell book at the time about writing down your dreams. Mm -hmm. And you were saying earlier that where you're up to with soul time is about dream again. You know, when your soul needs to dream. Yeah. And there's something within all of us. Um, and especially if there are women watching today, all of us, in all of us, there's a little girl that wants to dream. And and I, I remember writing down my dreams. A lot of them were about ministry or preaching or or being on staff at this church and, and dreams for my family. And then I looked at it and I thought to myself, who do you think you are? Yeah. And I put it aside. And the next day, actually, Melody was home that day with me. And um, she, we, we watched The Slipper and the Rose. And it's an old English movie, okay. old English musical, way beyond your age. And um, Elizabeth Chamberlain, um, no, Elizabeth Taylor, and oh, I can't remember his name. Anyway, lovely Cinderella movie. Anyway, church the next night, Saturday night, the preacher was preaching on, and the title of his message was, Who Do You Think You Are? And then the subtitle was You're Born for Greatness. And he was talking about all the people in the Bible that thought they weren't good enough. I mean, you can list them. There's yeah. there's there's so many. There's, you know, that that stood out, even though the Isaiah, the call, the the Jeremiah, his calling, um, Gideon didn't feel good enough, Moses didn't feel good enough, Joseph went had dreams, but he was thrown into prison. You know, there's so many um examples and the disciples that Peter that put his foot in it but ended up Jesus saying I'll build my church on you and so he gave all these examples like rags to riches or um you know insignificance to significance and then he said I'm going to show this clip from this movie and he showed the clip of Cinderella and nobody in the audience heard of it because it was an English an old English movie and it was pretty much me and one other person when he said who's seen this he shows the clip and I just know he's speaking to me. Of course. And I was blown away. And so by the end of it, I was like, I wouldn't have approached this guy because he was like way up there. I'm yeah, like, yeah, yeah. he's amazing. He's a preacher. Uh, but God, if, if if this is you speaking to me, let me get a chance to speak to him afterwards. So I had to go to the kids area to pick up my melody from kids church. And I'm on my way back walking through the corridor and I bump into Robert, who, who was the pastor preaching. And I said, thank you. I really enjoyed your message. And he kind of put his hand on my shoulder and he said, you know, you're called to greatness, don't you? And I'm like, 
Oh my goodness. It was just a, um, a defining moment for me oh, where yeah. I knew, and I have always, Louise, I've always journaled these things. So mm -hmm. I write them down. I could tell you so many stories along the way where I, I, I felt like God had called me and not to compare myself to other women and or to, um, and then I finally did come on staff. A few, actually, it was only a few weeks later. And my role was um, with a lot of men that I was working with. And I had to learn to back myself. Yeah, yeah. To um, bring my strength to the table, who I am. And I went on this journey. I read a Joyce Meyer book at the time, Confidence to Be Yourself, Succeed at Being Yourself. And I think your question there about, you know, in church. So there are churches here in England um, that are still very much on that journey of empowering women. And and I think the important thing for me is is not being too um, not being too self-promoting, not being too you need to do this and you need to do this and, yeah. Um, but yeah. being humble and grace filled, loving and honoring of those male leaders. And as I've done that, I feel like doors have opened. Yeah. And so I'm honoring of them. I've got a husband that really empowers and encourages me. And the other key I found is I cheer on other women. Yeah. Like I think it's amazing what you're doing with this podcast. You're such a cheerleader, Rachel. Oh. <laughs> Absolutely. that's why I've written the book so my other book that I released this year you saying to mention find your voice it's confidence to know who you are and what you're called to do I need another one I'm getting through this one only 23 days left yeah 13 days left. um that's amazing do you know it's funny because so my husband is completely different work life to me so he's a surgeon in the NHS and every um so often because I find his car I don't know what your husband's car is like but whenever I drive my husband's car it is filthy it is filthy. <laughs> I found this envelope stuffed inside of his door I'm like what is this it's totally getting uh, away and it was a huge bunch of questionnaires so doctors have to get feedback anonymous from their patients and it talks about everything from how did you find this doctor to his bedside manner da, da, da. and it it was sealed I opened it because I'm super nosy and yeah this big I was like Nathan do you never want to read your feedback form? And rightly or longly, he said, no, because I know I'm a good doctor. And I wow. was like, oh, okay. And I spoke to our next door neighbor, who's a, a consultant doctor at the time, or still is. And she said, mm. I pour over those questionnaires and I carry all the negatives and it really sits with me. And it's, I want to read them, but at the same time, I take it all on. Mm. And Nathan said to me, it's so I, I went back to him and I said why do you not care and he said it's not that I don't care but it's that women particularly what he sees in medicine and in surgery he said they are they would be so much better if they didn't second guess themselves very good example in an operating theater so he's orthopedics so say he's doing a hip or something um he basically um he told me he said so many times if I'm on with like a female consultant it's laborious it, it, it doesn't go as efficiently because they, that woman is a great operator, but she gets in a tiz and she second guesses herself. Whereas Very good the male, illustration. The mm. males, or he and his, the males he's experienced, are much more laser beam focused of, we know what we're doing, we've got confidence in ourselves, bang, bang, bang. Very good. Isn't that so true? Very good. In general, mm. absolute mm. second guessers. 
Very good. And um, that's I talk about that in the book, Find Your Voice. Mm-hmm. It's one of the biggest obstacles to finding your voice is second guessing yourself. Again, it's our own worst enemy. It's overthinking things. It's um, perfectionism. Mm-hmm. It's um, I, it was interesting because um, I also read a, a, an article from it was actually in Australia and and they were saying it was the, the guy who heads up a large movement in Australia, Assemblies of God, Australian Christian Churches. And he was saying that when he asks a man to do something that's out of their comfort zone, they will pretty much 90, 100% say, yep, yeah, I'll give it a go. Yeah. If he asks a woman to do something and he's very empowering, it's more like 50% will say yes. They will give all the reasons why they're not the right person for it mm-hmm. or they'll be worried about how they're going to do it or worried about the kids or worried about the time. Or, And I just thought how interesting that they've done this research that um, as women, so we actually need to learn, and I think it goes way back to the Garden of Eden where, where Eve second-guessed, you know, she questioned what God had said. She questioned what the devil, the serpent says. And she loses her voice as a result. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, years later, the enemy, the devil, whoever we want to call him, the enemy of our souls will try and target our weaknesses. Yeah. And, and it's usually in the areas where we are, that are we most passionate about. Like for me, he'll target my confidence, he'll target my family or mm-hmm. my feeling of my family, the calling. And that's where something within us has to rise up and say, no. We've got this. We can encourage each other and back each other as girls and say, yeah. Yeah. God's given us. And when you really know who you are and what your strengths are, what you bring to the table of life. And I encourage the girls to write down your strengths, okay. the adjectives that describe you. And I keep mine on my phone. I've got my strengths written down and I'll regularly or my uh, my strength, my core values. And I regularly remind myself. Yeah. And, and I have this confidence kit that I remind myself I'm created. God has made me with these strengths and yeah. I dig out the confidence kit and yeah. I and I dig out the fact that he's done it before he's going to help me do this again and I dig out the fact that I'm called and I remember those dream moments where he called me but I literally felt him put his hand on me and you know and and then I, I step out and just have a go yeah yeah yeah, yeah <laughs> think yeah, about yeah. it later but just say yes and have a go yeah. And do you know, the devil wants to hamstring you because he wants you to be like everyone else. And he wants you to just be trapped in this cycle of a kind of woe is me mindset. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, you should mention that thing about who you think you are. Because I think, um, you know, when you see like you walk through the supermarket or the clothing store and you see baby girls that say things like, dare to dream, follow your dreams. At what yeah, point yeah. does a child put that top on and someone says, no, 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 that's that's actually not the way the world works. Take it off you're never going to mm. do anything. But at some point, mm. there's a switch. Yes. And I always felt like I never grew out of that. But what I became aware of was like a mockery. Mm. And mm. even mm. You know, into like my early adulthood, whenever I wanted to do something that I felt was such a passion, I'd imagine girls at church almost like making a meme about me and laughing. And the undertone mm. was always, oh, she thinks she's something special. Or oh. who do you think she is? Or, yeah. oh my goodness, here we go again. Like, here she is, yeah. she's such a this, she's such a that. Yeah. And yeah. I've sh- you know, shook that off now. But that held me back, I think, for so many years, that feeling. Yes. And sometimes it can come within the church because mm. I think that people, mm. they say, 
your light can sometimes shine a light on other people's insecurities. Yes, totally. It reminds them maybe they didn't go for what they wanted to do, or maybe they want to do this, that, and the next thing, but they're too fearful to step out. And I think that when you like dare to shine Mm -hmm. in whatever capacity it is, it's actually very, it takes a lot of guts. It does. It does. A lot of guts. And that's why a bit like yourself, whenever I see someone doing anything, I always mm. want to like take them aside and say, you look amazing, by the way, even if it's, you know, yes. particularly in church, someone in church that maybe, you know, is quite insecure about their appearance or they've always been quite plain and they turn up with maybe the new jeans mm. or the new hair mm. or they've got a full face of makeup. I think it's mm. so important to go and say, you look beautiful. You look gorgeous. Yes. Keep yeah. showing up, you know, yeah. like, you do you. Because inside their head, I can guarantee on a loop, they're thinking, everyone's going to be like, who does she think mm-hmm. she is? Who's she yeah. to find? She thinks she's better than the rest of us. And I think it's so important to always, yeah, just go up and take those moments to say, by yes. the way, keep rocking it. You look amazing. Yeah. Or whatever, Absolutely. keep doing your business. Your business is going to be, you know, people hate the word profit in church, right? As in like bottom line profit, net worth profit. Mm-hmm. But like, I hope your business booms this year. Like, keep going for it. Like, yes. you know, keep shooting high don't have to be mediocre so I think particularly in churches there's this almost endemic of discouragement tall poppy syndrome Mm. particularly in British culture totally it's it's a negativity Mm -hmm. it's uh it's you know uh, if you step out to try and be successful you know I'm gonna I'm gonna pull you back I used to try and dim down because I'm naturally quite a positive personality yeah and I would try and dim it down a little bit um and I realized I've just got to keep being the full expression of what God's made me to be and a big key to that is encouraging others because I think if you're genuinely encouraging empowering others and I always taught my girls to do this you know you've got to go out of your way to like you've just said acknowledge someone they look lovely you can do that right from the beginning but then pick out the specific things that you want to encourage 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 because the french word cur it means to put to hearten to give someone to lift their heart and in this day and age women but everybody needs their heart lifting if you can put courage in them they're less likely to pull you down and and yeah you just got to keep keep going keep moving forward not getting younger I'm 53 now and I feel like I'm living my best years because I'm regularly writing goals for myself but I've switched to helping other people write theirs and encourage them and cheer them on and be the best version of who they are but who God has made them to be Mm. and um yeah so it's exciting what would your top bits of advice be from your book or otherwise that women can do to identify what their purpose might be or even Mm. to some self-check questions about Mm. you has God got something else for you maybe you're you know you hear people all the time saying I just want to be following God's will I want to be on God's path and all the rest of it how do you know if you if you're a woman if you are or not if you have a desire to to Mm. do something but you're thinking well got this longing in my heart but actually this is something that Christians think all the time maybe God just wants to humble me and keep me here maybe thinking about this is getting above my station um and maybe Mm. I'm just designed to be here a bit like yourself with Steve when your wee ones were little you were doing the Mm. important thing and God had put something on your heart to do something outside of the box were there any parts of you that went down that route of thinking 
maybe that's me and my ego and actually God wants me at home here and I just need to take all these desires and put them in a box and put them elsewhere because for God's glory I just need to be at home with these kids regardless of the pull Mm. that I feel in my heart to do something else yeah absolutely and I think that's attention Louise is knowing what is God's will and what is our will yes and and I remember it and I'll I'll show you from the book at the minute some in a moment some steps to finding God's will um but I remember just to illustrate that I remember being on holiday years ago and I was I was wrestling with this tension again the girls were young we were on holiday um I was writing down my dreams again because I I started doing this and I regularly did it and I I got my journal write down um some dreams I remember Steve looked at it and he said isn't that all about you Mm -hmm. and I'm like ouch your worst come true right you're like yeah Yeah. and I remember going out for a walk um along the national park in Noosa Sunshine Coast in Australia and saying, pouring out my heart to God. I said, God, you know, that's not my heart. It's not about me. And and I know that you've that you've called me, but how is that going to be outworked? And and I don't want to get above my station, all that stuff that, you know, even people often will say to their kids growing up, don't get your hopes up. I remember I even said that to my own daughter once when she wanted to travel with Young and Free, this band. And it was a dream of hers. And she wrote it down. And I remember saying to her, oh, I don't want you to be disappointed but yeah. she actually got to do it I mean that's another story she got to do it and traveled with them for uh, across the states it was an incredible story but I remember um walking along this national park thinking, god you know my heart my desire is yours and 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 I'm honestly humble and I, know. And, and, and I sat down in the cafe afterwards and opened up because I read the bible in a year and the scripture because there's a, an old testament new testament a psalm and a proverb and the okay. psalm for that day was Psalm 20 verse 4 and it says may he grant you according to your heart's desire and fulfill all your purpose yeah and it like hit me between the eyes and I'm thinking oh my gosh god you're saying to me that it can be my heart's desires and my purpose And I also read Psalm 37 verse 4 that says delight in him and he will give you the desires of your heart. And so I remember writing down in my journal, Lord, I thank you that you've spoken to me. This is my heart. And and I felt him saying, Rach, when your heart is aligned with my heart, your dreams will be mine and mine will be yours. Mm -hmm. When you're in my word every day, when you're being honest and you're pouring out your heart to me, they will be aligned. And I remember going back to the apartment and saying, hey, Steve, look at this. Look at this. Yeah. And, and he got excited with me and yeah. understood. And together we wrote down our dreams. And you know what? 15, 14 years later, I recently got out that journal because I keep all my journals. And we are doing now everything that we wrote down. There's still some yeah. that that we would love to see happen. But we're doing everything that we've written down. And I I think something switched for me that day that, yes, it's not about me, but it's balanced with that tension. It is about me because, you know, the Bible talks a lot about thinking beyond the dreams. Ephesians 3.20, above and beyond what we can ask or think Mm -hmm. according to the power in us. So God doesn't just self-impose things on us. He, He wants to align our heart's desires. So steps for his will I've got in here. First of all, it's acknowledging the gifts god has put within you write them down your natural gifts spiritual gifts just just jot them down the things that you're good at 
And then um, secondly, I've already talked about dreams. Write down the dreams that are in your heart. Okay. That They'll be practical. Some of them are spiritual, some of them for your family, some of them for business. Yeah. Write down something, oh, I'd love to see that happen. Yeah. And some of them need to be so big that they're not achievable right now, but some of them do yeah. need to be achievable. I was going to ask that. You're not following that with a caveat of let's be reasonable. Because, yeah. you know, when you think of dreams and you think in your head, well, I do anyway, I think of a dream and then I think, okay, let's get real. God's not going to do that. So let's water it down a bit so I can put a tick against it or yeah. for something that seems achievable. Like I 1 million percent do that when it comes to my business or where I think I want this podcast to go. I've thought mm. about the impact in my head, like in my dream, dream scenario, what I hope the impact I could have is but then there's that wee voice that says right let's bring that down to planet earth for a minute and rewrite it so that realistically it can be achieved well I do think we need a balance of the two I think you need some things that that you can step out and because the bible also says in Ecclesiastes 5 3 it says a dream comes through much activity so there is an onus on us to step out and do something every day I write in my journal now at the end of every day what did I do today to pursue the call of God on my life there's always something however small however big that you might be I listened to a podcast it might be I had coffee with someone that encouraged me it might be I prayed about it it might be I stepped out and said yes to something like doing this podcast um so it's that balance with I can achieve and writing some things that I can't currently achieve at the minute that is out there, God would have to do it. He so would have to talk to someone else and make it happen. Yeah. So that what you're saying is there's got to be accountability for do something to push the needle forward. Yes. But there's also, it makes sense to have something where the only glory can go to God because it's got his hand yes. over it and there's a miracle yes. story. Absolutely. And I think you probably feel in your spirit as you're writing them, you know, when you're in that flow, you you can feel in your spirit where your dreams should be should be. Yeah. You know what I mean by that? Like as yeah. you're writing it, the there's just a sense of this feels right. Yes. I will just say though, with dreams, some of you that are watching or listening have had dreams and they haven't come to pass. Mm-hmm. And you've been disappointed. Mm-hmm. And that exp- I experienced that too. I, I experienced a big disappointment and I stopped dreaming. I stopped journaling. And I remember my mentor a few years back said to me, Rachel, are you still writing your dreams? And I'm like, oh, no. It was actually not long after we'd moved back here. And I'd almost like we use the analogy of I've, I've stored them away in the garage. Mm-hmm. I've stored them. Yeah. Um, and I've been busy settling everyone into new routine, new home. And and I've met so many people like that, you know, if a loved one died or if a business transaction didn't work out or, you know, because we all experience part of life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and it actually says in the Bible as well about um, not giving up hope, mm-hmm. because when we have a hope in God, he's the anchor for our soul. Yeah. And yeah. and it says that love doesn't disappoint. He doesn't disappoint and allow his love to be poured in our hearts. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had to step, take little baby steps and start dreaming again, start writing down. And as I started doing that, I then start to believe the best again and start to build. And, it, and it's it's a journey. But that's when we need someone like a mentor. Yeah. Like yeah. I've got an older, wiser to come alongside and encourage me and the last step I would say with this is trust his appointed time 
I think we all want something straight away. And you've, you've alluded to that. You know, you, I want to do this with the podcast. I want, you know, we want it now, but it's trusting his time and keeping positive, upbeat um, in the, the wait time. The, the season of waiting is the worst. You know, it's the yeah. winter time where all those buds are under the surface. Mm-hmm. But just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not there. Yeah. And God is preparing us. He's preparing us during that time and doing something unique in us so that when we do get the opportunity, it's going to reflect glory, greater glory to him because he's done it. But we're actually going to be ready as individuals. And then the the last thing was, yeah, make patience and obedience your best friends. Um, Yes, I'm going to step out and say yes to God when it looks different to what I thought, maybe. Um, But I'm going to have patience on the journey. And that's not easy for us. No, humans in a situation where you were were maybe going after a goal or going down a a route and it felt like you were banging your head off a brick wall or flogging a dead horse, right? Yeah, yeah. And you stopped and you pivoted and you maybe said, okay, what does God want? And Mm -hmm. you rerouted and all of a sudden Mm -hmm. your life got into this flow and this ease yeah, it was all almost like that, you know, flogging a dead horse, hitting your head off a brick wall was because that was never the path for you. And actually a yeah. came with fast results and an ease and a flow that could only be yes. you experienced. Yes, absolutely. I mean, the possible talks about the practical and the spiritual and they do go together. I'm a very practical person. I'm like, how do you do this? How do you do this? I spoke on Sunday about how to increase your joy levels um, and about Christmas. We're talking about the Christmas spirit. How do you get your joy up? You know, and the, the, basically one, two, three. But I have experienced that where something's not, you're banging your head against a brick wall. You just feel uncomfortable. And I've, I talk a lot about being led by peace. Yes. And if I'm just not at peace and you talked about an ease, I think it, life shouldn't be that hard. Yes, we have enough challenges, but it shouldn't be pushing something that is obviously not opening. And so there's been times like, for example, um, last year, I remember thinking, oh, I've got to build, we've got to build our business, what Steve and I are doing and speaking at different leadership things and speaking at women's conferences. So I'm going to contact these contacts that I have and, and let them know I've got to put some dates in for the following year. And I remember I, it was just wasn't really going anywhere. And I opened my Bible that day and I paraphrased because I haven't got it in front of me. But it was talking about your gift making a way for you. You don't need to keep asking. You don't need to keep pushing. Mm-hmm. And and so I read that. And and I'll put you before men that and women that can promote and raise up. And, that and so I stopped doing all that. I stopped trying to push open doors. And just from reading my Bible reading that morning, it was a Tuesday morning. I remember it clearly because I wrote it down in my journal. But right, different tactic. I'm not going to do that anymore. And it's amazing, as I stopped doing that, then it just came from natural conversations, friendships, yeah. doors that opened, and it's by far the best. I mean, that's just a silly little example. but Yeah, but actually, yeah. It's, yeah. Through, it's it's through God's effort. And um, yeah. That, yeah, that's an, an amazing way to think of how we should be navigating through life, like not sitting on our backside and hoping that that's right. heavens will open and um, will be provided for, but that there's a flow and an ease where you are doing an honest day's work and you're giving it your all but ultimately you're resting in the fact that when you're not working God is and if we don't leave a God yes. 
That's then right. He's nowhere to show up because he's a gentleman, right? That's right. No God margin. Yes. What's he what's he meant to do? That's right. You're very wise, Louise. Oh, That's really good. The God <laughs> margin. I like that. Yeah, you I often talk about leaving margin, but I like the God margin. God margin. Yeah, yeah, yeah My yeah. mentor challenged me on that once because it was like before we moved back to England, I was trying to line everything up, you know, all the ducks in a row okay. about what we're going to be doing, how we're going to earn this, where we're going to live. Yeah. And she said to me, she said, where's the faith in that? Yeah. You know, you've got God it all sorted. You don't need God, Rachel. And I, I felt slapped, you know. Um, she said, you've got to have a story to tell. You've got to have yes. a face, Benny. And right now, you've got it all sorted. So she really challenged me. That's the God margin. I That's like the that. the God margin. And just to wrap up, um, I think you've actually covered this. We've covered some preconceived ideas that people have about Christianity, or more particularly, preconceived ideas that Christians might have about God and other Christians. Um, mm. But just to wrap up, um, can you tell us a wee bit about how people can come off of listening to this episode and what is the the best way for them to find you whether that's booking you for their church or buying your book or just following you to like wonder what she eats for her breakfast on Instagram, <laughs> that kind of thing where can people find you rachel all right you can find me on instagram so it's just rachel morston r-a-c-h-e-l Rachel Morston and you can find us also and, and the bio is actually of uh, the link is in my bio on the Instagram but our website is stephenrachel.co.uk okay and you can find the books on there the courses I run a find your voice course Steve and I run a leadership course okay. we run a preaching teaching course um and yeah various information on there you can also okay. pop on soul church UK yeah and um there's there's some preaching on there as well. You can find Rachel Morstan on Soul Church UK YouTube. And uh, is your Find Your Voice course, is that something that anyone can just sign up and do through you? It's not a group setting. No, anyone can do that. Okay. I try and keep it too, so it doesn't get too huge. We yeah. also break it down into groups because we want it to be personal and very empowering mm. and relationship building. So that as women, we're advocating for each other. Um, so the relationship part is really yes. is really important as well as me giving the information. So yeah, yeah anyone can do that. It starts again early February, second of February, I think, That's and really it's on crazy. Zoom, seventy five minutes on Zoom for seven weeks. Okay. How to find your voice? So actually, by the time this podcast goes out, I'm going to put it out on either the seventh or the fourteenth of January then that's perfect time because a few weeks after listening to this you can go on and see their space on that course which might be just the thing for Brilliant. anyone sitting listening to this right now thinking I want to be that person that like lives out to my fullest and is my best self but I need someone that's I need someone to give me tracks to run on mm, yeah um, that's absolutely a perfect course for that Rachel so wherever you're listening to this click on the the show notes and Rachel's books will be hyperlinked her website will be there and her Instagram will be there and you can connect with her and maybe you can say I heard you on the podcast or I bought your book or whatever it is but I am absolutely Rachel going to go and get that book because as I say I've got 13 days left of my soul time book and I don't know what I'm going to do without you in the morning <laughs> <laughs> um, I've, been um. to, I've been to um Norfolk before but it's um a very tricky place to get to we were there last year for a family wedding and yes um, it's tricky to get to yeah you have to go out of your way to go to Norfolk there yeah. are not a lot of airports or anything like that but it was stunning and we were there for a week or so um so it's it's beautiful but um yeah maybe I'll see you at church next time I'm with Wendy Griffith I'll come and stay with her and come along yes yes I can always forward you a book I can post you one you give me your address 
um or you can find it on amazon perfect well either way i will make sure that i um I get hold of your book and, yeah. and share it and gift it as well but thank you for your time Rachel that's thank so you hi I hope you enjoyed that podcast so if you haven't already please subscribe and leave a review or even email me with anything you think I could do to make this podcast better I'm totally open to hearing feedback and ideas every single week I am emailing out a bit of an encouraging newsletter these are going to change every week. Sometimes it's going to be thoughts that God has put in my heart. Sometimes it's going to just be maybe a series of funny stories or life hacks or things that I find helpful. Either way, it's a great way for us to connect and I would love to have you on the subscribers list. So make sure to do that. Have a lovely week praying for God's protection over you as you just go about your business and I'll see you again. Bye.